Right, hello everybody. This is a very quick episode. I've just recorded it on Skype with Steve. I have not done much editing to it because I want to get it out as quick as possible. So it's not the best quality and obviously I haven't got Oliver to edit it. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, welcome to UK Wildlife Podcast. I'm Neil Phillips. This is going to be a bit of a abnormal episode. It's just going to be a short one because an urgent issue has arisen and I want to raise awareness and we're joined by sometimes guest host Steve Allen. Hello Steve. Hello everybody, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. And Steve's going to lend us some expertise. Now, one reason this is coming up and I feel the need to share it is it's not been covered by the major pressure, has it, Steve? Hopefully they'll pick it up soon. No, no, it hasn't been covered too much. I've seen it floating around on social media by a few organisations here or there. But yeah, there's nothing from any of the wider press drawing attention to this. What it is, I'm not sure, but hopefully with yeah. this special quick podcast, we'll be able to get there nice and quick and try to raise some awareness of our own. Worth bearing in mind that the Badger Cole was very slow to uh, come on the radar of the press, so hopefully. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the Joint Nature Conservation Committee, the JNCC, which is the body, the government body, who determine protective status of wildlife in the UK. Actually, they are reviewing schedule five and schedule eight which you might have heard of schedule five is the one that protects great crested newt and schedule eight protects the rare plants now every five years they review the status of the animals and what protection they should have and that's taking place this year but they've already issued some recommendations for it so it's going out to consultation of sorts but they've already issued recommendations before consulting any conservation bodies it seems and it set a lot of alarm bells ringing because their proposal is that all species they're not classified as endangered or critically endangered. So that's things that are about to go extinct on the UK list or protected under the European Protected Species Act will lose their protection. And that includes some species that, let's just say, have been declining rapidly recently. We'll come on to the exact details. But as you can probably imagine, the conservation NGOs, that's non-government organisations, when I say NGO, by the way, guys, 30 of them have signed an open letter. This includes Frog Life, Freshwater Habitats Trust, RSPB, Amphibian Reptile Conservation, Amphibian Reptile Groups, the and the Wildlife Trust, and ZSL, uh, Zoological Society London, to oppose this proposal of the review of the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981, which is when this Schedule 5 stuff and Schedule 8 stuff was uh, put into law. And they say it could undermine decades of work to restore protected and threatened species. And some of the species they say could be affected by this is loss of protection for adders, pine martins and mountain hares, which have just got Schedule 5 protection in Scotland. Protection is under threat for 300 other species, and they say including red squirrel and water vole. It's all a bit grey at the moment, isn't it, Steve? We're not 100% sure how they're going to determine which endangered species, you know, what's endangered, because there's a list for Britain as a whole, but it's also a list for England, Scotland and Wales separately. So, for example, the pine martin is critically endangered in England, but it's not endangered in Scotland, so it could lose its protection there. And that will mean people can kill them, which is not great, is it? No, no, no. It is extremely worrying. The lack of information that's being provided, where the end goal of this is, and the consequences it could have for conservation in the UK are just so far reaching that that I'm, you know, personally not surprised that these 30 conservation organisations have got together and have signed this open letter. The worrying thing is, is the fact that there hasn't been wider coverage of this because it could be absolutely devastating. Personally, you know, the, the species I work with, reptiles and amphibians, a number of them that aren't European protected species are covered under Schedule 5 of the Wildlife and Countryside Act. And that prevents the intentional uh, harm and killing of them, such as adders, 
uh, grass snakes. It prevents selling and trading these animals. If these protections are lifted, then, you know, people could once again catch wild British species of reptiles and amphibians and trade them legally again. The most confusing part is that these protections were there in the first place to prevent further declines in species already in decline. But now the only chance we're going to have to save them is after extremely catastrophic declines, of which then a species get classed as endangered or critically endangered. And looking elsewhere in the world with other species, sometimes by that point it's already too late to act and you know that species is lost forever. The main issue we have, of course, is that Great Britain is an island and a number of these species that Neil has mentioned and I've mentioned are doing okay on the continent where, you know, there's vast areas of habitat left, but they can't naturally repopulate uh, our island nation. And so they're in a far more dire position here than they are elsewhere. Let's talk about the current protection, because obviously great crested newts, smooth snakes and sand lizards are and natterjack toads as well, I imagine, will all be European protected species status. They'll be okay on paper. Did, 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 did they should be fine, yes, as mm. should the pool frog, oh, which yes. is regarded as critically endangered because it's only been reintroduced to a couple of sites, which means that the common frog, common toad, smooth newt, palmate newt, adder, grass snake, common lizard, slow worm, that's eight species, yeah, would be ones that are open to, you know, these levels of exploitation, you know, of, of people buying and selling them, of killing them. You know, adders yes. are already declining rapidly. You know, research published in 2019 showed that 90 percent of populations are declining. And there are some estimates that suggest that they could be extinct, but all from a few sites by 2032 it becomes legal to and kill that, that's, them again. that's if we ha- still have protection for them yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it, exactly the, 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 those are with with those protections in place if those are removed then you know you can bring those extinction dates forward by a couple of years because so, so currently the amphibians are only protected from sale so you can't go around selling tadpoles and stuff because the, the other added danger of that was spreading disease as well the sale isn't yes. it um, but the reptiles you're currently not allowed any reptile you're not allowed to kill, injure, or sell, isn't it? I think. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I can see mobs of the less scrupulous of the dog owners and, you know, oh, adders are going to kill my children people going around and finishing off what's left of the adders in many sites. Oh, no, no. They did definitely. I think people would just, you know, if there's no legal repercussions from it, we'll just go out and, and do it anyway. And it's something that, that you mentioned there, which also keeps me awake at night in terms of uh, my research is, is the potential spread of disease. You know, if people are catching wild caught specimens of British amphibians, you know, we know that some populations are infected with disease such as chytrid and ranavirus. You're going to bring potentially infected animals into collections with other animals and spread disease there but also vice versa you know people could unwittingly catch wild amphibians bring them into their own collection mix them with their other animals and then when those animals get traded or if they accidentally escape they then could then spread diseases back into the wild uh, which causes headaches and stress for people like myself who was trying to study these these systems and unfortunately 
that's just a, you know, a matter of these things happen through lapse of judgment or where biosecurity isn't the highest. It, it really does worry me, despite the fact I know that most people that keep amphibians and reptiles are quite on the ball with things. There's always that chance, isn't there? All it would take is one unscrupulous garden centre or pet shop to go around to their local pond, catch a load of frogs and tadpoles to sell to people with their new garden ponds. And if that pond's infected, suddenly lots of ponds in the area will be infected as well. I remember a few years ago, uh, before things were tightened up, a garden centre, possibly illegally then, selling alpine newts to put in your pond, which is, you know, a non-native species and illegal. But if they legalise selling native ones, there's going to be a market there, unfortunately, isn't there? Because people, yes, people are just desperate for frogs and newts in their pond. Oh, yes. No, no, no. I've, I've seen that a lot online this year with people, yeah, just building ponds and expecting frogs to turn up within five minutes. Unfortunately, for reptiles and amphibians, this could be the final nail in the coffin for some of them. And again, there's evidence to suggest that common toads have declined by 70% over the past 30 years when this was published five years ago in 2016. This is the worrying thing is that with some of these species, there are evidence of declines. It's just that those declines haven't been translated into any regional red list assessments which can then be used as evidence of you know whether or not these species are actually declining and you know have an IUCN category assigned to them which I think is a loophole that the JNCC is exploiting here. So that's one of the biggest jokes isn't it is that they're determining these statuses on really old data so they're not funding research into check these things are doing well in the countryside. They're just going, well, latest data says that they're fine, could have declined. Who knows how much? You know, in 1981, it was determined that they declined enough to protect and they've only got worse. So why is it suddenly OK now to sell and kill them? Yeah, it's it's extremely, extremely upsetting, particularly given that the government's currently working on what seems like quite an interesting and substantial environment bill, yet it's doing this at the same time. It kind of negates the effect of trying to do everything else it's doing at the same time. We'll try and stay off politics a bit, but there's two things to note on that environment bill. Is One, most of those NGOs just mentioned have all said that it's not worth the paper it's written on because there's no proper enforcement of it. It'll all just be a piece of paper where, oh, well, we should do this. Oh, we'd like to do this. And the planning reform bill is going through as well to help mass house building. And of course, if it is now legal to kill a slow worm or an adder or a grass snake and you have them on your site, you don't have to worry before you start building about removing them, which a cynic might suggest has something to do with their sudden interest in doing this. Nobody's saying it out loud, but I dare say there's a few people thinking it very loudly. But I don't speak for them, of course. I should be clear there but uh no 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 and neither do i but i I think that yeah that that there is is the biggest issue is that if these changes are made and those species are present on a development site then building work can go ahead unimpeded unless european protected species are found or any of these critically or or endangered species which in, in my mind is worrying but the other worrying thing as well is is that what happens to all of the ecologists that work on these projects that you know do they have to retrain and and become bartenders or something or, or do they have to find work elsewhere obviously there's gonna be knock-on effects yeah the, the, the yeah. down the line but you know yeah it's uh yeah well it's all confusing yeah knock-on you could start losing expertise in these species as well so steve what can people do? It's all right us moaning and ranting about it, but what can people do to try and stop this change in the legislation? That is a very good question. And there are two things that people can do. The first one 
is to visit the Amphibian and Reptile Group's UK website, where they have developed a huge amount of information about all of this. So you guys can go ahead and read about it yourself and get more informed just than just our ramblings. But most importantly, they have a draft letter there that you can send to your MP in regard to these changes and how nonsensical they are. And secondly, which is something I only found about just before we started recording this, was that a petition has been set up on the government website. And hopefully, Neil, you'll be able to link that uh, wherever you post this so that listeners can go off and sign that as well. And hopefully, by taking that two-prong approach, we'll be able to get some action on this matter reversed. And hopefully, our species will be safe for another day. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, for once, I'll actually do some show notes and put some links. So if you could do it, guys, and it is, even if you sign a petition, it is still worth doing the letter to the MP because that can have more effect. If they get 20 or 30 letters, they might actually take some notice of it. Also, get your friends or your conservation and wildlife, your buddies, mums, dads, sisters, send them the letter and get them to you know sign it and send it off because they might start taking notice. But it's worth a try. It is indeed. Yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it. So it's just going to be just a quick episode, as we said. I hope that's not depressed you too much. But I think if we all, uh, as I said a few episodes ago, there's going to be a lot of fights ahead with all the changes post the B word I won't mention. Let's keep the fight going, guys. <laughs> that sounds a bit cheesy, but let's do it. Okay, guys. Well, thanks very much for listening. Thanks again for coming on, Steve. You're um, very welcome. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye for now. Take care, everybody.